Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Redefining Security podcast. Have you ever thought that we are selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. EdgeScan offers continuous vulnerability intelligence as a service, accurately identifying vulnerabilities and exposures across the full stack. All threats are verified by cybersecurity experts, providing exploitable risk and remediation guidance, virtually false positive free. Learn more at edgescan.com. Everybody, you're very welcome to a new episode of Redefining Cybersecurity here on ITSB Magazine, and uh, it's the show where I try to help folks understand how security technologies can be implemented, operationalizing security, I like to call it, uh, in the context of the business. So it's not just about deploying tech for the sake of deploying tech and buying it because we have a budget, but how are we actually going to get a good return on our security investment and, and drive business value and protect it once we do. And uh, talk about all kinds of topics. Today, we're going to be looking at networking. And this was a, a topic driven by a post uh, from Justin Elzey and uh, Mick Douglas uh, jumped on the on the bandwagon in, in the thread. And I was like, this could be cool to talk about. So here we are. We have Justin and Mick on. Thanks, guys, for being part of this. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. And uh, so we're going to get into kind of the, I mean, the, the point of the of the thread was that we need to understand the basis, basics of networking if we're going to have any chance of succeeding in, in information security, which obviously runs across the network. Um, but before we get into that, uh, a few words from, from each of you, a little bit about your background and, and why would this... This was something you wanted to uh, to connect on socially, and Justin, we'll, we'll kick it off with you. Sure. So, Justin Elzey, I'm the CTO at TrustedSec. Um, so, you know, mostly focused on offensive security and research. Um, I'm also an IANS faculty member. Um, the networking piece of this for me, um, you know, in a former life, I was a network engineer uh, for a large ISP and switched digital video and all that stuff. Um, and I've been able to kind of pull all of those pieces into, you know, what I've done on the offensive side over the years. 
Nice. And Nick. Hey, everyone. My name is Nick Douglas, and I'm the founding and managing partner for InfoSec Innovations. We're a boutique security consultancy, and we're primarily a defensive organization. We take your existing uh, infrastructure and really elevate it and make it do strange and interesting detections. And I'm a member of the ENS faculty as well, and I'm also a SANS instructor. And the reason that I'm all about uh, networking is my degree is in communications. And I did telecommunications and networking as my study in college. And my first uh, three jobs that I kind of was either working at phone carriers or ISPs. And so um, networking is who I am and it's what I do. There's just a bit of networking there in those, <laughs> those environments. <laughs> Networking for networking. Um, so let's, um, thanks for sharing that, both of you. So let's go to the tweet. I have a bunch of questions, but let's just start with uh, the, the, the catalyst for this conversation. So Justin, you, you put a note out that has quite a number of uh, engagements here on Twitter. And it says, from IT to InfoSec, understanding networking concepts like NAT and VLANs and ACLs and IP routing, they're all underappreciated and often skipped over. And uh, you've been battling some migration stuff the last few days that uh, everything ended up being network related. Um, I don't want you to share anything that uh, would put anybody <laughs> at risk, of course, but what, what was going on that, that made you say, I, I need to share this with folks and, and perhaps. Yeah. So, so, you know, over the years, we've, we've trained a bunch of different people and I've worked with a bunch of different people. And, um, you know, I think networking, when if you say, you know, learn networking in this space, people are like, oh, go get like a CCNA and learn everything. And that becomes, you know, really cumbersome um, and kind of overbearing. So my, my point of the, at least the original comment was that, you know, there's a handful of aspects of networking, especially in the enterprise space that, you know, you should do a deep dive on. Um, you know, the root causes so many problems. You know, DNS is always an issue. Um, enterprise environments with virtual machines, VLANs and things like that become an issue. But I was just trying to highlight the fact that there's a bunch of underappreciated areas that people touch on a regular basis that don't, you know, get taught, um, you know, in the background of like offense or defense. And, uh, you know, when, I've, when we started having this conversation some more, people were jumping in with, you know, discussing like the OSI model and different ways to learn and, you know, what's relevant. And I think really taking like a, structured approach to you know what's a normal enterprise environment look like what are the technologies you encounter in that area and kind of focusing in on those and making sure that those are core components of you know offense and defensive training and for, for those watching not just listening i you have the pleasure of seeing all the facial expressions from mick is, is justin saying all those things um i mean mick the justin said yeah a traditional networking environment within the organization what what is that i mean has it changed over the years i mean it's still well it I... it, it 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 is and it isn't so like the thing that's a little weird um and now that things are so cloud forward and we have a lot of people working from home um i feel that um some of the predictions that were made 10 15 years ago about how the um, day when you can count on a perimeter firewall being a primary defensive control are going to end. And that's, that's proven true. 
Um, but once you're inside the networks, um, things are a lot more normal-ish. Um, you know, it, I gotta say it, it's um, becoming a bit easier to do networking. We've got a lot more options. I mean, my goodness. Um, when I was getting started out, like the things I would have done for some of the WAN acceleration technologies that we have available now, I mean, my gosh, um, the, um, it, it, the, the, the thing why I kind of jumped into Justin's thread was that I see a lot of people that sometimes in the IT security space kind of do things from a ritualistic perspective. And a lot of times we see controls that are being suggested that they're not bad, but they might not be the best bang for your buck. A lot of times organizations are doing things just because that's the way we've always done it. And there we go. And if you have a more nuanced view of networking, you might be able to say like, hold up, we can do this and have comparable results, a whole lot less effort perfect example of this, and this might be too far afield, but forgive me if it is. I see a lot of times organizations wanting to take a very robust and strident posture against things like people bringing in rogue devices. And that's great, right? I want to be clear, you don't want rogue devices on your network. But what's crazy is how the security team suggests that. I, I, even this year, I had a client that was telling the networking team that they needed to hard code the MAC addresses of the devices at the switch layer. And my God, you don't need to do that. And then they said, well, okay, then fine. We're going to make everybody use NAC. And I was like, well, what about sticky MAC? You know, you can just set like the sticky MAC value to two in, in this particular organization. They still are using the voice over IP hard phones that's one Mac on that switch port. And then they plug their laptop into that. So that would show up as the second. If you do a sticky Mac value of two, you just plug, plug, done. And it just learns. And now when any new device gets added, unless they're doing something like spoofing the Mac address, that device won't be on the network. And it's like such a more elegant approach. And like the networking team was like getting ready to like murder people and the security team was like, oh, wait, that's that's a thing. And it's it's weird in that it, this kind of speaks to the success of networking. It used to be you had to know a lot more about networking to be really deeply into computers. Now, barring a few things, like you don't have to be that aware of like how things are actually pieced together. And usually that's actually okay. It's just in some cases you do need to know those details. And I often find that, uh, I mean, we, we try to abstract everything <laughs> in our lives and in our work, right? We don't, we don't want to get into the nitty gritty details. We just want to turn this dial and flip that switch and, and perhaps even at some point just say it verbally and, and the systems do it for us. And I kind of, that's kind of where I want to go with this to Justin is, uh, the concept of the abstraction versus understanding the details and, uh, how things actually get done. There's, there's IT policy, there's security policy, there are the controls that map to one or the other, both of those, and then the implementation. That's, so I, I don't know, talk to me a little bit about that and, and how this concept yeah. of we don't understand the network enough kind of really gets yeah. screwed in that sense. Uh, so yeah, Mick brought off a good point with the phones, right? So, um, you know, if you're a 
security tester or you're a defender, right? Like the concept of having a phone on a desk, having a separate port for your computer, you know, most of the times, let's say that Cisco or some other company, you know, you're using VLANs there. Um, there's the opportunity there to configure something wrong in the VLANs and jump from one to the other. You might have your phone network be some, you know, network where you keep a bunch of out of band management stuff and things like that. So there's like a lot of concepts there where like you may vaguely understand the concept of VLANs, but like the abuse there, um, you know, things that can be broken, things that can be attacked. Um, the, you know, the, that's a good area for a deeper understanding in this space. And I think people don't necessarily appreciate that as much. Um, I helped a coworker a few weeks back with um, doing some VLANs, you know, at his home. And, you know, he thought he had a good understanding because, well, we, you know, we see Cisco phones, we do this. But like the concept of like trunk ports and moving VLANs from here to there and things like that, um, those aren't those are lost in a lot of people. And that is what I would consider a core technology, you know, that and that and, and just a couple other areas. So when I say like learn networking, I'm not saying, you know, you need to be an expert on OSPF. You need to be an expert on this over here, or this over there. Like let's let's take, you know, a couple average networks, a couple average environments and see what, um, you know, what you know, what technologies they're built on and kind of build training around that for more people. It's the same thing with, you know, helping socks um, kind of do build outs and things like that. Um, you know, if you're an MSSP and your primary customers are, you know, hospitals and things like that, the networks are going to be very similar. The underlying technologies are similar. So trying to, you know, build the general level of understanding of what the low bar for that is, um, is something that needs to kind of make its way into security. Um, you know, Obviously, we're all very good at rapidly understanding a technology um, that doesn't necessarily mean we understand all the security risks of it. So. Mick, any thoughts on any of that? Yeah, it, um, from a defender's perspective, the one thing that you probably don't realize is just how easy it is to abuse misconfigured things like VLANs. Um, Jason Ostrand, buddy of mine, hey, uh, Jason. Um, he wrote a tool called VoIP Hopper years and years ago, and it's still wicked effective. You just plug it in and it sends a couple different types of packets and uh, like Cisco discovery protocol and like link local discovery protocols. And based off of the telemetry, it gets back. It's like, oh, hey, here's the here's the VLANs I can hop into. You, you hop into those VLANs and you're on the phone network or you're on that management network. And it's rock solid. Like it, it, it works. It works well. And a lot of times, unfortunately, people have these, you know, to, to your point, you said, you know, we make these abstractions. They're great. You need to have those abstractions. The problem is when you abstract too much and your attacker is hitting you with ground truth reality and you aren't taking into account some of those issues. And so you'll see that they will be able to just devastate your network. So, I mean, we can go a bunch of different directions with this, um, either a broader view of some of the, some of the technologies that, that people should be aware of and understand a little bit more, or we can go deeper into this example and uh, hopping VLANs and exposing, uh, yeah, compromising them and exposing them uh, and doing it differently. <laughs> how, how would you do it differently? I don't know. Which way do you want to go, guys? Want to take the deeper dive and then go back out again? Yeah, I mean, we can, yeah, we can, we can take the deeper dive. I mean, I think, you know, we, I think Mick will agree with me on this one, is we always talk to clients about, you know, segmentation and things like that. And 
uh, you know, you'll see people build a bunch of different subnets maybe, and maybe use some VLANs. Um, and then they, Hey, we're, we're doing segmentation. And then you find out that they're routing everything between all of the subnets. Right. So, you know, this is generally a, a full lack of understanding about the big picture, right? You got some concepts, you read a report, uh, you know, let's do this, do that. And then you're like, cool, everything's segmented. And you're like, what am I actually stopping here? Like, maybe I should be trying to stop, you know, north-south traffic and things like that. So I think that the the, the big picture is often lost on the minutia of detail. So like the example you gave with, um, you know, what are we trying to prevent with, um, rogue devices that we're using NAC or using sticky max. What, what is our threat surface? What, who, who are we really worried about? Are we worried about the dev team plugging in a, you know, Wi-Fi access point to do something, you know, easier for them? Are we worried about a nation state? Like kind of where, where are we and what are we trying to solve? And then kind of, you know, step through what attackers would be doing based on that. And the uh, segmentation thing is a really good example because um, it's always, preach that, hey, we'll segment different business units by risk. So, you know, HR opens PDFs all day. Let's make sure that they're kind of quarantined off here so they can't get to critical systems. Well, we put them on their own subnet, but we never did anything to stop their traffic to, you know, in and out of a, a router to a different subnet, things like that. Yeah, I think that a lot of it, this sounds kind of bizarre, but a lot of it, and first of all, I agree entirely, Justin. Um, I think that a lot of it is that organizations don't actually QA the the what they set up. So you have the segmentation going, but there's no enforcement. And so um, in, in the kick in the teeth is that it's actually not that difficult to add that that actual true segmentation versus hey, we've just got subnets, but everybody can talk to everyone else. For most organizations, when we go in and we see that that's taking place, they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is going to be a, you know a huge effort because it spent it took us so much time to build this subnet up, you know, and make everybody migrate." And I'm like, "Cool, this this will take like a month or less." And they're like, "No, we're a global organization. That's going to be super hard." And I'm like, "Nope, here's how, you know." And you just you monitor for a little bit and you say, "All right, here's who really needs to be talking with you," and then. Now it's enforced and, you know, a simple firewall can do that and routes. Yeah. Cause you, you brought up QA and, and QA then assumes, well, I guess you can blindly test stuff. <laughs> what, what's it doing? <laughs> is it is doing what I expect it to do? But I guess it's that second point that what's it, what do I expect it to do? You kind of have to understand that's what Justin was saying as well. Um, so how, and I think Mick, you kind of pointed out here that if if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish uh, from a business perspective, but you you know you don't want certain things to happen at a networking perspective, you might implement something that quote unquote works but doesn't solve for the business problem. So how do we get to balance that story for the business with the policies and and the workflows that we expect the systems to follow? to the implementation of the of the controls and configurations of all the all the gear <laughs> that, okay. that we're doing and of course we in there is the the details down at at the gear level the app level networking level uh, versus a tool that again might extract stuff so i don't know who, who wants to go with that i i'll take a run at it first i think so i think there's two ways i think that the um, if you talk to most organizations, 
um, security teams on the network side usually start and stop with a firewall. They'll like have a floor of security people that do endpoint, do all this stuff. And they're like, what's your, who's your networking guy? And they're like, a girl, whoever. They're like, oh, it's this firewall person in the corner here. Um, they kind of get left out of the whole rest of the networking piece, right? All of the layer two stuff, all the switching, all the rest of those pieces. And I think that maybe it's because firewalls are usually vendor specific. You have training and they're experts on that thing. You just don't see a lot of people kind of have the, the general breadth of knowledge in the networking space to, to do that. So from my view, I think that it's a lot of, you know, moving our space towards realizing networking is important, picking a set of core concepts and making sure that those are kind of taught across the board. Um, a really obscure, but good example of this is um, BGP. So if you look on Twitter, there's always a conversation about BGP hijacks and things like that. And everybody's talking about it, right? By and large, if you're in information security, unless you work for an ISP or somebody who has a bunch of IPs, like understanding BGP, not super important. However, if you're in maybe offense, understanding the raw concept of BGP saying, hey, there's this big enterprise that advertises these IP blocks out here, and I can kind of see what IP blocks they use, really niche. Hey, you know, understand BGP, you understand it advertises IP blocks the internet, how everything else works behind the scenes, not super important, but like that's the level of depth in that area. And then kind of step through those other pieces where we were talking about like CDP and LLDP, where you can do discovery on a network of devices, you know, maybe there's a little bit more depth there. So I think coming to some kind of standard body of knowledge or like level to kind of aim for, uh, because if you say networking as a whole and throw some Cisco books at somebody, that's, you know, that's a whole career in of itself, but trying to work with, you know, different organizations to kind of come up with a, a standard body to kind of, you know, level set, like, hey, you're in security and an enterprise here, you know, you're focusing on cloud security, you know, okay, here's what the minimum network stack for that looks like, things like that. I couldn't agree more, couldn't agree more. You know, um, you don't have to be a ninja at networking to be an effective defender, right? I'm just asking that you know a little bit more. You know, um, one of the things that I do, um, we are primarily defensive, but we do pen tests and stuff from time to time. Is you got to have claws and teeth to be a good defender. <laughs> and one of the things that I will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm going to just crush the network is if I'm in, say, a workstation network and I'm seeing routing protocols come at me, I know that that environment is a hot mess. And you don't need to know, like I had one where I was seeing VRRP traffic. That's a, um, a uh, availability um protocol that's used for like uh, keeping network gear like load balanced with each other so that one can like fail down and the other one will happily run. I was seeing that in the workstation environment. I was like, what the hell's going on? You don't need to understand the intricacies of VRRP. You just need to know that ain't right that I can see this right here. You know, um, that, that sort of just, here's what normal, you know, air quotes around normal, here's what normal looks like. Here's protocols that I shouldn't see. You know, you don't have to know all the security implications of the fact that like NetBIOS is a weak protocol to know that anytime you see it, you should hunt down and reconfigure that machine. Like you, you just don't want that protocol. And the, the, the thing that's really weird and um, one of the things that should sweeten the pot and why both security and networking really do need to run to fixing this issue is that a lot of times when we do InfoSec, it's really tough 
and it winds up being a drag. A lot of times the infosec and networking, when they're working together, it actually winds up with better networking performance, like NetBIOS, for instance, unbelievably chatty protocol. I mean, just getting rid of it, your LAN will do better. And there's the security benefits. And I can go on and on. There's so many protocols where turning them off does it better. Um, multicast protocols like LLMNR, one of the worst things that Microsoft's done so far. Um, so like, there's so many opportunities and I feel like with just a little bit of a understanding of like what you can do, you're, you're going to wind up with more secure networks, things that are make uh, troubleshooting and break fix a lot easier. And, you know, one of the main reasons that I'm actually fairly successful in getting organizations interested in microsegmentation is that when a machine breaks, like whether the network card goes bad or something glitches or, yeah, it's compromised, the blast zone is incredibly small. And so, like, it's good security and good network. Why wouldn't you do that? And I feel like there's so many opportunities in this space that we really, as an, as an industry, we do need to lean in and start nudging toward that. And, oh boy, my head's just filled with so much stuff here. So let's, <laughs> I mean, uh, one, one thought in my mind is, do we focus too much on uh, confidentiality from a security perspective and we forget the integrity and availability and therefore performance gets lost in the conversation and, and we don't focus on that. And so we do stuff that we shouldn't. The other thought in my mind is I'm a, I'm, I'm a guy that likes pictures, right? And you can't protect if you don't know it's there and, and having a view. So I guess visibility of the network seems to be key. Um, not, not just from an IT perspective, but also from a security perspective and understanding what's there and how things flow. And then you hear, to your point, Mick, there's what's flowing, right? what protocols, what, and what's being, what's being moved around. And so how let's stick with the visibility piece. Cause those two parts, what, what's there and what's moving around. Um, is that a good place to start perhaps to, to say what's going on in my network? And so rather than yeah. saying, here's what I want it to do, let, let me see what it's doing and then kind of adjust from there. Yeah, the, the problem is, though, for larger networks, it can be very expensive to build that map. I mean, you look at some of the enterprise-grade software in the space, Skybox, Red Seal. Um, those, those tools are not cheap. Um, they work great, but for a lot of organizations, they're not going to be able to pull trigger on them. So instead, you're winding up with organizations, um, you know, doing other things like using Nmap. Or, um, and there's nothing wrong with Nmap. It's just that it's kind of not the tool that I would reach for given the opportunity. Um, it's, it's tricky. I, I do think though, I, that you're right that visualizations are a very important part of this problem. And I wanna be clear, it is a universal rite of passage. When you do this in your network, you're gonna be like, well, these networks don't touch and actually they do. You just didn't know that. So it, I think that that would be where most orgs could really game up because, right, like, and Justin, you'll, you'll probably agree with me on this, is that when you do a, like an open box or a crystal box or whatever it's called, pen test, and you say, hey, give us the network topology maps, they're like, oh, 
sure, you know, and they pull it up, down off the shelf and they kind of go, here you go, they blow all the dust and cobwebs off this thing because it hasn't been updated. So um, visibility, primo. And this is this is one of those areas that like goes away and comes back, right? So the past few years have been so hyper-focused on endpoints, right? Everybody's log everything on the endpoint, do everything here, and the network piece kind of fell off. And then now you see hey, work from home, like we used to have a proxy that did SSL interception, like, but, you know, now that we're work from home, like everybody's watching YouTube all day and we can't, you know, handle all that traffic. So what did we do? So you'll see products like Zscale or and some of these other things pop up in the cloud. And then now you're like um, the LastPass hack, somebody's home Plex server got hacked, right? So now you're talking about the person's home network isn't kind of scope. So you'll see, I think you're going to see networking come back as, you know, you know, understanding where traffic's going, how it's getting from end to end, you know, what can talk to different endpoints and things like that, and kind of what you're introducing, you know, back into your network by you know, what your VPN topology and things like that look like. I think that, um, you know, obviously Mick and I have been doing this long enough where like firewalls weren't a thing and they were like, you need a firewall. And then recent years, it's been, hey, we have a firewall, but we don't really filter too much outbound. Like I, you know, you'd assume like there was a point in time where like people filtered everything out and you had 80 and 443 go through a proxy. Um, you know, that's kind of getting lost. So I think you'll see a trend back to that um, more so because, um, you know, you're looking at like C2 detection, things like that, like the DNS traffic. And, you know, if you have a compromise, it's um, of an endpoint or something in your environment, it's going to most likely talk out to the internet, right? There's a choke point there around networking that is, you know, for the time being, isn't going to go away, right? It's most, most C2 traffic is like a HTTP get, HTTP put request, there's some DNS traffic. It's very unnatural in the way that it works if you look at like normal web browsing. And it's, it's interesting to see us, we'll go, you know, full bore ahead on pulling all these events out of a workstation to try to stop malware. At the same time, it's, you know, getting and putting to one static URL every 15 minutes is, you know, and so I think that you'll see the networking piece come back. We've, we've put so much effort and insight into the workstation. Now it's, where do our traffic flows look like? What is, what is normal for us? And then that's going to be the next piece. And I think you'll see that too with um, Microsoft integrated Zeek uh, into Defender because that's, the next evolution. So I think there's, I think there's a good, you know, it's not just us saying this. I think that other people realize that the the network side of this is, is coming back around. Oh, super cool. And so in terms of the, the flows, and I'm going to go back to the, the Q and a piece. So let's assume we'll never ever get our inventory done, right? <laughs> Completely. Um, we'll have some view that's going to be good enough. Hopefully we have some view of how things are moving, north, south, east, west, in, out, right? How big, how small, what protocols. And then there's the, what do I do with both of those bits of info? Like the QA piece, uh, I'll, I'll say. Um, how, do, how do we, and again, rooted in at least an understanding of networking, what, what do we need to know in order to look at that data in a way that, that uh, will help us make better decisions. Wow. Uh, Do you have a first nick or? <laughs> that's huge. So, I mean, yeah, the, the main thing that I think you're going to have to do is um, eat that elephant one bite at a time. You know, one of the things that well, I- I'll pause you, maybe, maybe just make it easier. Are, are there, because <laughs> I think, what was it? Uh, 
some I've Justin mentioned some some standard or something and you kind of wrinkled your face early on, Mick. So I'm oh, OSI. What, the OSI, OSI yeah, the, the OSI model. So yeah. I'm wondering are, are there th things teams can look at that give them a sense of what should I be QAing for? Because you you rambled off a bunch of protocols yeah. should be on there, right? Then I don't know, they're NIST standards or well, you sans can things or go OSI. a lot easier. Go All a right. lot easier. What you should be doing, in my opinion, is take like your net flow, right? And just do a net flow summary of who's talking to who. And that's it. And then here's what today's traffic was. Here's what yesterday's traffic was. Let's look and see, are there new flows that we don't know about? Like that is an amazing way. So just start doing rolling baselines. Look for a new protocol. Like why is this protocol on my network? I didn't know that that was there. You know, um, I feel that too often in all of InfoSec, whether it's networking or host-based or whatever, we let perfection be the enemy of good. You should really just try to make your understanding of your network just a little bit better each time, you know? Um, you know, 1% better each week would be a huge win over the course of a year. So um, that, that would be my recommendation is just make it so that you have these rolling baselines, start simple, and very quickly you will find where you have lack of visibility and, you know, make, make fixes for those invisible areas. Yeah. I'm usually the, the risk based approach person, right? Like where, where are people getting compromised in business? This is like us and what is happening next. Right. So, you know, if, if workstations is the biggest risk for you all, then, you know, let's work on firewalls between hosts because in most environments, you know, things aren't talking to each other. Um, you know, from there, kind of like I mentioned, like Xfil and things like that. If you're worried about like DNS Xfil and weird stuff like that, like just simply doing like a top talkers list of like top DNS requests going outbound, or um, you know that that's a very good one because if if anybody there's a there's always be some new exotic C2 that's doing something. Um, the problem is the more exotic the C2 gets, the less common that traffic is in your environment. So, you know, um, DNS over HTTPS was a big topic and um, everybody in the networking side and the InfoSec side kind of debated this and was like, oh, hey, like you got to block this or we should be aware of this is going to happen. And you're like, does anybody actually allow this in their enterprise network right now? Like if I do this, is it going to stand out? And people are like, oh, I'm moving like 100 meg binaries over it. And you're like, yeah. So that's just going to stand up over here versus things that, you know, naturally happen. Obviously it's a lot harder when you say, you know, fix networking, we're worried about, you know, some very common traffic that happens on a regular basis. Like for example, using a cloud infrastructure for C2, right? Like our whole company say is backed by AWS, talking to a new EC2 instance might not, that's, you know, like that's the last ditch piece, but I think there's a lot of other areas in there. Um, the workstation and workstation communication, you know, like the VLAN piece, things like that. There's, there's some very easy wins to get there. Um, and then you can kind of work back through, you know, is this going to be impactful to users? How can I roll this out in a small group? But I think that, um, you know, backed by many, many breach reports, the trying to do something about um, where workstations can go is obviously the probably the biggest return on investment. Um, so, you know, jumping in a network like that, running Wireshark, seeing what's normal, 
Um, you can set up a span port, which lets you see all the traffic in a particular VLAN, things like that. Um, just kind of learn that area and protect, you know, the most important things first. Yeah, I like that uh, breach reports. I know there's some, well, like Verizon does the various database with use cases and stories kind of describing how things fell apart, right? <laughs> Different <laughs> compromises. It's probably a good place to look. Um, I I have to go here. Uh, I'm just, it's the, the extreme abstraction <laughs> where I don't have the time to investigate and analyze. My tools are set to alert me on things, but they're only as good as what I can tell them to look for. Um, and now there's this uh, generative AI, natural language processing stuff that um, I think, well, a lot of people are using it on, on the public web, which may not be appropriate for the kind of data that we're talking about here, but I don't know if there's a way internally to take those rolling views that Mick was talking about, for example, and say, show me where things are different in this feed versus spinning up a tableau and trying to trying to sort that out and becoming a tableau expert on top of a networking expert on top of a security expert as well. Is, is there a role for that kind of thing? Do you think there's, so there's some products out today that, like I said, you see this trend where it's endpoint and then network. There's some uh, network NDR network detection response products today that are, are really like actually very, very good, right? They'll use machine learning to baseline what's happening. You'll see things that shouldn't be happening kind of pop up and I've tested a bunch of them for clients and things like that. It's just not the most talked about, most interesting piece with all the marketing money behind it right now. So I think um, machine learning is going to fix. I know nothing is ever fixed, but it's going to help. But the point of machine learning is to look at massive data sets and find outliers, right? So the it's, the technology is there. It's scaled down into, you know, pizza boxes or virtual appliances, things like that. The, the technology is there to do this. It just isn't cool right now in the networking space. There's a couple companies doing it and it's coming back. Um, you know, the learn language model stuff with, um, hey, um, I'm seeing this packet header. What is this? Like, it's great for like helping SOCs investigate. But the machine learning piece of just giving it a bunch of data, figuring out what stands out is the technology is there today. It's just not, um, it's just not the cool thing. I think it will be give it give it another couple of years, um, but it's just yeah, you know, had a little bit of ways to go. Yeah, I will say that um, the good news is there's actually some really cool uh, two uh, open source tools that I really like in this uh, space are actually written by the same org is uh, Rita and then uh, also. AC Hunter, they have a free edition now of AC Hunter and um, Black Hills InfoSec slash uh, Active Countermeasures released these tools and they're phenomenal. They allow, like, I, I don't think people realize how weird C2 traffic looks. It, it is, Justin probably wins the understatement of this conversation award. It is bonkers crazy. But because of the way C2 works, it's, you don't see it until you look for it. Once you look for it, it sticks out like nothing else. The analogy that I use for this is like one time I was visiting my brother and my nephews were uh, sneaking across the kitchen um, 
you know, like this, right? Like they were hunched over and they're very carefully tiptoeing. I didn't know that they were up to no, like, I, I wouldn't have heard them if I didn't see them. But when I saw them, I was like, what are you guys up to? And that's, that's what's happening with C2. Attackers have to use C2 because they rarely have the luxury of hands on keyboard. So the network, and this is something that Justin said that I think is worth repeating from the top of every hill, is that the network makes an exquisitely good choke point. You should be harvesting that telemetry because it, if you know what to look for, it's, it's right there. Yeah, we Mick and I have dug this a bit on Twitter before, and I think people, people are so hyper-focused on one side that um, if you look at all the ransomware groups and you look at all the different threat actors out there that are attacking most organizations, right? they're using Cobalt Strike, they're using off-the-shelf tools, but as soon as they go hands-on the keyboard, the callback rate that they need to use for their C2 server, so how often it's calling back, calling home and sending data back and forth, is such a, a tight pattern that it stands out, right? You're not most organizations aren't fighting the NSA where like they can do a callback that, you know, the, their implant calls back once a month and tasks a command and does something right. You're fighting human operators, their skill level, maybe middle of the road, but when they go hands on a keyboard and do stuff they're the traffic is, it, and it stands out. Like if you go to a website today, um, you know, it loads, you know, Google ads, there's a bunch of JavaScript and things like that. All of these C2s, there's you know tons and tons of open source C2s out there, all do this HTTP get put. They don't, there's no padding, there's no extra gets. Like it's it's very, it stands out and it's it's the one area that it's impossible to hide from for the most part, right? We were talking about using cloud providers and things like that. Like that's that's a way to abstract that. However, that's still the the get put behavior is is primarily what you see out there. So I think people get scared about the networking piece because they go, oh man, there's there's just traffic. Our, my whole my whole Windows machine is calling back all over the place constantly. But the things that C two and the things that attackers are doing are are very obvious when it goes back to the internet. Super interesting. Um, we're coming up on time here. Uh, I thought maybe we'd look at a couple of the of the tweets in the thread, but I don't know. Do you, if you recall off the top of your head, was there anything in either of the threads that it kind of took an offshoot? I think um, <laughs> is there anything in those threads that stood out to you that maybe we didn't didn't touch on yet? So I'm sure Mick will be. You brought you mentioned this kind of on the side before. Um, that this came up with the OSI model uh, is legacy and dead. There's been this big kind of offshoot of this networking conversation into there. And I think this goes back to what we were saying about, um, so the OSI model is a conceptual model to kind of teach networking. It's a way to break down different areas and kind of it's the core building block for Cisco in a lot of places. I think that I'm, I'm layer that kind of, <laughs> yeah, Larry, yeah. Larry, um, which where, where all the problems are. Um, you, you know, this is how it's traditionally taught. And when you approach it in that way, people are expecting you to get the full gamut and it's usually overkill, right? We're never going to learn that. And that's kind of what we were going with saying, hey, like, we really want to be really heavy right here, our VLANs, this whole one piece. But like this whole middle section, like you don't need to know about like RIP, ISIS, OSPF. Like, yeah, you, they exist, the routing protocols. If you encounter them, cool, become an expert. But like there's you know, 80% of this stuff isn't super important, like understanding subnetting and what a gateway is, like, this is a stupid one, but like, 
Um, you know, a lot of people use dot one for a gateway. If they're a little bit older, sometimes they use dot 254, which is like something that most people don't think about, right? Because you're like, oh, it's always dot one. If you, you know, there's just weird things like that with subnetting and stuff. There's so trying to condense and trying to get people away from thinking that, hey, you need to learn networking is two 2000 page textbooks that you have to go, you know, beat somebody over the head with and try to keep the focus. Nick, anything from you? Yeah, um, I, you know, I, I want to be clear, OSI is a fine approach for learning and even kind of thinking about things, but where it breaks down and why I uh, get a little squeamish when folks talk about it is that there's a lot of folks who try to foist this understanding of this model that never was actually implemented, except for a few edge cases onto modern networks. And at certain points, that um, model, that approach breaks. It just doesn't work. And so um, I've seen some very weird network design as a result of people like, oh, well, we got to force this because this thing's a layer four. And I'm like, well, okay, whatever, you know? Um, I feel that sometimes people aren't taking a pragmatic enough approach. And that's the main beef that I have. Um, you know, there are some folks who say that we shouldn't be teaching OSI anymore. Maybe, I don't know. Um, what I'm advocating is that you don't try to force OSI into your network because it doesn't. It just doesn't. Yeah, yeah I think the, the other point with that would be it's, it's a learning tool. Uh, like Mick and I both did networking in the past. I don't think I've ever had a discussion outside of a learning environment. We're like, oh, this is this like this OSI model layer, right? We're just in networking and we're doing things like we might talk about, hey, we're doing some switching or we're doing this thing. But like the OSI model is just a, a way to chunk things up and teach. As soon as you practically hands on, like it never comes up again. So people will kind of conflate all these things is, you know. Yeah, the only... The only exception to that might be layer three. Like for some reason, layer three keeps on coming up. That's the only one uh, that I ever have even talked about. But even then, it's not that often. So yeah, totally. We're, we're in an agreement on that. All right. Well, this has been uh, amazing. I, I feel we could probably go hours talking about different stories and scenarios <laughs> for different elements here. Uh, but I want to thank you both for first off engaging with the community and each, and each other uh, like you did on social media. I think it's super helpful for folks, right? Uh, kind of kind of poke things and, and get people to think differently, which, which is why I asked you to join me here. And I'm grateful you did because uh, hopefully people are thinking a little bit differently about networking and security and the connection between the two and uh, what's important to, to understand, what's important to abstract and Hopefully someday we'll just toss it over to uh, natural language stuff. You can go home <laughs> and go to sleep. But until then, thank you both. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I'll include links to the posts uh, that we were referencing here, plus anything else that uh, Mick and Justin feel would be worth a good read. Um, and I presume I won't get a link to the OSI model. That's, that's, a, that's something <laughs> to reference at the moment. But uh Anything else they want to they want to share, I'll include those in the, in the notes as well. And uh, of course, if you're listening, subscribe to uh, the podcast and hear more on redefining cybersecurity. And if you're watching the video, uh, make sure to subscribe to YouTube as well. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Bye.
EdgeScan offers continuous vulnerability intelligence as a service, accurately identifying vulnerabilities and exposures across the full stack. All threats are verified by cybersecurity experts, providing exploitable risk and remediation guidance, virtually false positive free. Learn more at edgescan.com. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24.